Hello, everyone. Welcome to the IP Obsessed podcast. Uh, We're really excited about this episode. I'm really excited about this episode because I'm going to learn a little bit more about patents and inventions. I'm Michelle Ciatola. I'm a trademark and copyright attorney. And I'm Tina Dorr, and I'm a patent attorney and a PhD chemist. And we're, of course, the IP duo. Okay, Tina, so let's get into this because I think one of the funnest things about you know, learn about this area of the law in general, you know, I do this on the trademark side. Um, what is the weirdest patent you've ever seen? That's a great question. And, you know, I don't want to call out any of my uh, clients. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually uh, was thinking about this getting prepared for this episode and I found this article and it's, uh, it's entitled, the weirdest and most wonderful patents. And this is um, from LiPo. And there are some really strange ones um, here. And I just wanted to show you um, one that is really strange. Um, It's a mustache guard. This is what it looks like. Interesting. So it's like a piece for our listeners. It's a piece that goes right over a mustache and hooks onto someone's ears? Yes. This is, that- is from 1876. Hmm. Super old. Um, and the little caption says, what is the traditional symbol of a true gentleman, if not his mustache? The mustache guard is a way solution to protect your mustache and your reputation uh-huh. during holiday feasts. Oh, so you put it on when you're eating. Oh, keeping it clean, huh? they tend to get dirty (laughs) Um, another really strange one is a device for waking persons from sleep huh and how how does that one work and I'm thinking I'm very curious because I have a 12 year old that is very difficult to wake up and he goes to middle school next year where he's going to have to be on the bus an hour plus earlier so this might come in handy tell me about this one um it says this is the caption again this one is a really old one from 1882 um and it's a set of i don't know if you can see how but i'll describe it it's the pen drawing shows a person in a bed and there are a set of small blocks made of wood light wood preferably cork that automatically release and f- <laughs> and fall into the sleeper's face when the alarm goes off. Hey, it's a brutal way to be awoken. <laughs> <Pretty rude. laughs> brutal, I guess, safe. Maybe you don't. Is it smart? Yeah. yeah, it's very porous. It's white. I don't, I don't know if that would be enough for my my child. I think he would still need more. <laughs> and then last one. Um, which is funny and interesting and relevant. And it's a little bit scary to me, actually. Very dangerous. <laughs> ask. Um, it's an anti-eating face mask. Oh, wow. So the drawing is a picture of a person's face, and it's a face that looks like an ordinary mask. However, it's got these Hannibal Lecter bars <laughs> that go across the mask. Wow. So, yeah, I guess, yeah. so it allows the, the wearer to breathe. So I, it must be some sort of you know, cloth 
but it's got these bars and it's locked on the side of oh wow head with a small padlock. That's yeah, a little bit terrifying. <laughs> you put it on, lock it, give the key to someone else. <laughs> wow, those are fascinating and very weird and very creative yes. inventions or patents. Um, so that leads me really to my first question, Tina. Um, who can be an inventor? Ah, great question. Anyone can be an inventor um, as long as it meets the legal requirements, um, but you can be a kid. You can be not only, you know, a trained engineer, you can be someone working in a factory. And a lot of times um, people working in factories come up with the best ideas. You don't need to have any sort of engineering or scientific training. You can be a child. Um, and, you know, you've heard this term garage inventor. That's how a lot of people come up with ideas. Many times they are literally working in the workshops in their garage. And um, Michelle, you have a family member who is actually an inventor and he is a rare type of inventor, but he's an inventor. Yeah. Yeah. He's my, my, the one that won't wake up in the morning, my 12 year old. He's, uh, I think he's probably exhausted from thinking of uh, new inventions all night long. I love that. <laughs> and he's definitely going to be the garage inventor. He kind of already is. He's always yeah. at his tinkering. So, okay. Um, so we know who can be an inventor. Um, but when we keep talking about invention and patent, but Tina, can you clarify what the difference is between uh, a patent and an invention? Right. So the invention is... Um, something that is something new and not obvious or something that's an improvement of a device, a method, uh, a composition matter. It's something that, you know, solves a problem. So there's engineering and sometimes science involved, but it's not necessarily, um, you know, technical training. Uh, so it really can be anything. The patent itself is, that's the document the tangible asset um, that is that captures the invention. So you start with an invention, um, and I will say that sometimes inventions can be patentable, sometimes they can be protected, and sometimes they can't. And it really depends on what others have done out there and whether that invention meets the legal requirements for a patent. And um, the, the patent gives you a legal right to exclude others from making, using, selling, or offering for sale your invention um, in the jurisdiction that you're filing for protection. So we'll you know, focus on the U.S. here. So you file for patent protection in the United States. That means you can exclude others from making, using, selling, importing, offering for sale in the U.S. It does not protect you in in other countries. And that's a really important nuance for uh, inventors to understand. Uh, it's also important to understand that that period of protection that the patent provides you is limited. It's 20 years. Uh, and that's the time from the time that you file the application, um, you know, that, that time period starts. Uh, it's also important to, to understand that, you uh, Again, it's the protection starts from the time that the application is filed. Now, to obtain the patent from filing to issuance of the patent, 
it can take many years. One year is, you know, a very short term. Typically, it takes two to three, and that's wow. up to 10 years uh, time to actually obtain a patent. So I always think that's an interesting and important distinction between like the, the life of a patent versus the life of a trademark, because you have a finite amount of time to have that monopoly on the patent, but on the trademark side, you can just keep it going as long as you're using that mark. But, um, you know, you said no, something. I was just going to say, I'm sorry. It's the, the reason that you're limited in time mm -hmm. for a patent is because the, the purpose is different. So the purpose mm -hmm. of patents, you know, in our constitution is to encourage innovation. And so you're encouraging innovation by disclosing the details of your, your invention in a patent application. So when you file a patent application, that disclosure, the details of how to make and use your invention, that's in the public domain forever. So that means, you know, inventors in your space, entrepreneurs in your space, they know exactly what you're doing and they can build upon your technology without having to go back and reinvent the wheel. Um, at the same time, you have that limited right. So that's the, they call it a quid pro quo. Um, and if that term was no longer, and 20 seems arbitrary, it, it might be arbitrary. Um, if you extended it for, you know, the lifetime of uh, an invention or as, as long as you would want to continue to, you know, sell an invention or, you know, whatever you want to do with it in terms of marketing, it wouldn't encourage innovation. Hmm, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. So I have another question. You keep talking about this um, right to exclude. And I think that that's very central to, to the patent discussion, but you know, what, what does the right to exclude others mean exactly? I mean, does it mean that like you can't make or sell your own invention? Um, great question. And potentially yes. Um, and it's a very important nuance because, and to understand the answer, um, I have to explain a little bit about what it, it takes to get a, a patent on your invention. So I'll use an example, um, and we'll go back to our Coca-Cola example. Um, so say, for example, that Coca-Cola owns a patent for a mini Cocan with a tab lid. Um, and for listeners, you know, this is just like the mini Cocan. Everyone knows what it looks like. Um, and say an inventor a non-Coca-Cola employee comes up with, and this is, you know, a competitor in the beverage space, comes up with a better tab opening or opener, whatever this little tab is called, something that maybe fits in the, the hand better or something that more easily breaks that seal. My, my son's five now and he can just now open a cocaine on his own without having to ask for help. But two years ago, he couldn't do that. So maybe it's something that allows, you know, a child to open their own. Um, can. Um, so he, you know, changes the design of the tab or, you know, does something and he makes an improvement and it's something that's new. It's something that's useful. And it's something that non, that's not obvious. Maybe he uses a unique material or he, you know, etches the, um, the actual, you know, opening part a little differently to make it easier to mm -hmm. open. Um, so it's something that's non-obvious and unexpected because of, you know, some sort of engineering that it did. Um, so then he has a, he obtains a patent on it. He meets those three legal requirements. It's new, non-obvious, and, and useful. He obtains a patent on it. However, 
his improvement to the tab, um, he, he doesn't necessarily have a right to make or sell his own invention because Coca-Cola still owns a patent, a generic, more general patent for a mini Coke can with a general tab. Interesting. So in that case, and this is how, um, you know, these things work. If he indeed wants to sell his can, he might be able to, but he would need to go to Coca-Cola and get hmm. for a license. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you always have to know what else is out there before you can actually get your invention to market. It's, it's very important. Yeah. Because he wouldn't want to go down the road of selling his invention and get sued by Coca-Cola. Right. Right. You got to do a little bit of a risk assessment. Exactly. Before, before launching a product. Interesting. Okay. So let's, you know, go into that, that Coca-Cola example with the cap. Okay. So now um, the inventor of the modified uh, opening or uh, cover has now filed a patent. Uh, what, and they go to, you know, Coca-Cola and they say, we want to license them. And they say patent pending. I see patent pending all the time. So what exactly does it mean to say patent pending? Oh, great question. Um, it's an important thing to understand. Patent pending simply means that you have filed for a patent application. Okay. You know, had a, an attorney draft up a patent application and you're in the process of obtaining a right for an enforceable, enforceable patent. Again, I mentioned earlier that the process can take anywhere from, you know, average two, three, four years. Um, Patent pending just puts the public on notice and it's important. And, you know, investors of startups want to know that you understand the importance of intellectual mm -hmm. property and you're working to protect your intellectual property. And so letting investors know that you have a patent pending um, in many cases is important and essential for obtaining uh, funding for your startup. Um, but again, it doesn't mean that you have anything enforceable yet. So even though he is patent pending and he has his patent application on file, that inventor doesn't, um, you know, he doesn't need to go to Coca-Cola and ask for a license to make his invention yet because he doesn't have anything that's enforceable. So he would really be jumping the gun there. Okay, interesting. And do you have to put patent pending? Um, in the United States, yes. Okay. With the caveat that um, it's not a legal requirement okay. necessarily, but it is a requirement to put the public on notice if you ever engage in litigation. Okay. So in, if you ever want to enforce that patent, say that you do get an enforceable patent, um, you want uh, to have documentation of actual you know, notice, and that means marking your product and all you have to say is patent pending or you can you know direct customers say that you have the patent on the coca-cola you can mm -hmm. provide virtual patent notice by um you know saying pat or patent directing them to your website and then you're writing patent pending on your website okay. so providing that notice um, is important for obtaining monetary damages if you ever you know want to enforce your patent so damages uh, will be collected from the time that you provide notice. 
Okay. So you don't provide that notice on your product or on your website in some way, then the damages will be collected from the time you attempt to enforce that patent by, you know, sending your competitor a letter from your lawyer saying, hey, I have this patent. Fascinating. And then when you do get the patent, you put in, you have to put that on as well, right? Exactly. So once you have a, a, a patent, you update your product or, or your website to say patent or pad with a patent number. So you only have to say patent pending. Um, oh. I have to include the application number. You can just say patent pending. Um, and the reason, you know, one of the reasons there is patent applications aren't publicly available for 18 months from the filing. So even if you include a patent application number, they're not necessarily going to be they're still, you know, confidential, not publicly available. But once you have a patent, you do have to put that patent number um, in order to put the public on notice of the details, because then the public can look up the details of what you, you know, have protected by your patent. Okay, interesting. Okay, so now you also mentioned earlier that it takes a while to get an application actually reviewed and through to to registration. So. Um, you know, what are some of the primary roadblocks road um, that would prevent you from obtaining the patent patent protection? Um, great question. Uh, one of the biggest roadblocks I would say is, and this is actually before the patent application um, filing stage, mm-hmm. is uh, the inventor talking about the invention, giving the details um, at a meeting at, you know, at a trade show, at a conference, uh, talking with a vendor outside the confidentiality agreement. Um, in the United States, uh, fortunately, we have a, a one-year grace period. So say that an inventor um, goes to a trade show and he's got this new invention for, um, I don't know, let's go back to the Coke can. <laughs> so, a new Coke can. He goes to a trade show and he, he talks about his new tab on the top of the coke can and he tells everyone about it because he's so excited about it um it's a you know a beverage um trade show and then everyone is so excited about it he realizes hey maybe i should actually start selling this thing um you know let me get some investors on board hey maybe i need to talk to an attorney to protect my rights um in the United States, you've got one year to file for a patent application okay. from the time that the inventor makes that disclosure. However, in other countries, that one year grace period does not exist. Okay, so you need to make sure you get that filed before. Exactly. <laughs> and in this day and age, um, a lot of manufacturing, depending on the industry, is done in other countries. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, you know, as important to protect yourself in the United States as well as other jurisdictions where you're potentially going to be making, uh, selling, or licensing. So it's important to know your markets um, before you, you know, even think about a patent application. But all that to say that public disclosure, having conversations, talking about your mention on a public forum. Mm-hmm. Then an entrepreneurship forum or you know investor forum talking about it, giving too many details can potentially bar you from obtaining that protection. So public disclosure is the biggest roadblock. That makes a lot of sense. So as soon as you have a good idea and an invention, get in touch with your attorney. Exactly. 
Okay. So Tina on Shark Tank, I mean, this is a, a popular show. I mean, I know in my family, we are always watching Shark Tank, especially with my young inventor. Okay. Um, so we talk about public disclosure and a lot of times I see people talking about their invention. Uh, one of the questions is, you know, do you have a patent? And sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes it's no. So when, when an inventor goes on Shark Tank to pitch their, their invention um, to the sharks, you know, how, how do they avoid making public disclosures? That is an excellent question. Um, first, I will say that in many cases, I would assume and hope that prior to going on Shark Tank, mm-hmm. those inventors have already filed for a patent. I think that is the case. Um, but say that it's not Shark Tank and it's some other, you know, pitch program, investor mm-hmm. pitch program that you're going to, and some, your friend tells you about it and you, you need to go to it next weekend. You need to be there. Um, and you don't have a patent application yet. And you don't know whether you want to file for a patent application um, until you know whether anyone's going to be interested in supporting your invention or funding your invention. Um, one thing that you can do, and this is my recommendation, uh, if you're going to you know pitch and you know that you can't get those investors to sign an NDA, and that's my understanding that... Um, you know, investors will never sign an NDA. So there's a way around it. Yeah, and an NDA being a non-disclosure agreement, right? Yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Myth? Um, <laughs> those acronyms. I know. We, we just like... Yes, I know. <laughs> um, if you, when you're doing your pitch, leave out crucial details. So talk about what the invention will do. So with the cocaine example... Um, say your, your tab's going to be something that a one-year-old baby, <laughs> maybe you don't want your one-year-old baby, <laughs> opening and coke, maybe, maybe not even a three-year-old. <laughs> so it's not a great example. Um, but you know, it's an easier to open, uh, coke can okay. you know, talk about the high level purpose, the advantages, the benefits, um, leave out the crucial details about how to make the invention. So if you're using a new metal alloy that's going to be, you know, easier to open, don't disclose the details because without those details of, you know, how to make the invention, mm-hmm. not considered a barring public disclosure. Okay. Interesting. So just talk very high level if you don't have your patent application filed. Yes. Awesome. Well, Tina, thank you so much. I've learned a lot about um, the differences between patents and inventions and who can be an inventor and the process. I really, really appreciate you sharing all these details with us today. My pleasure. Um, And as we wrap up, I want to give a huge thanks to everyone behind the scenes that makes this podcast possible. Uh, George Pelletier, who is the creative genius behind our uh, our music um dan cody who helps with all our technical issues and and putting this podcast together and our um jessica lister our marketing director and our i think we've we've dubbed her the producer <laughs> yeah. of this podcast supporter moral everything, everything. 
So huge, huge thanks to to everybody that helps make this possible. Um, And, you know, if you have any topics, um, anything that you've seen in the news, any questions you have that you'd like us to cover in a future podcast, uh, please leave a comment and let us know and we'll we'll bring it up at some point in the future. So uh, again, thank you, Tina. And thank you to everyone listening. Thank you.